Well, hi, folks. This is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tougher, even if they don't. Today is August 2nd, 2021, and yes, as many of you have reached out already, it is the day that I was expelled from a birth canal. It is my birthday. Not a big deal to me, but I do appreciate those of you who have wished me well. Um, on other notes, it's also a Monday. It is the 2nd of August, 2021, and that means we are back at it with another edition of the Survival Podcast, uh, COVID and all. And I will give a brief update and some things that I find a little bit disturbing on our side of the debate with this whole COVID uh, nonsense. I think there's a lot of stuff going on out in, in the world right now that are hype and FUD and, oh, my God, everybody's going to die, and it's, like, way overplayed, and it definitely is being used against the American people. But I think on the opposition, uh, we have some myopia as well, and I want to I cover that. But that will be my, my final segment today. I've got a bunch of other stuff I'll be covering today. I have a great quote for you that was sent to me uh, by a listener this morning. I got it. I'm like, yeah, we'll use that as quote of the day. Uh, from a guy named Albert Camus. And if you've never heard of him, I think you'll want to look him up after you hear this quote. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about healthcare workers are, are literally quitting their jobs before getting the vaccine and what this tells us. And it, it, it's more than I think the, the average person would initially uh, pull from it. The initially pull from it would be, hey, it, clearly they don't think this is safe. Yeah, but there's another side to it that we need to look at it as well. Um, also have... Uh, Somebody asked me about vitamins and minerals and said that, you know, when people say, especially doctors, but when you take vitamins and minerals, you're just buying expensive urine. How do you respond to that when they say that you're not going to increase your, your, your blood level of vitamins uh, by any meaningful level with oral, oral uh, vitamins? I have immediately death to the argument, immediate death to the argument. And every time I've used it on a doctor, they're like, well, uh. And when somebody goes, well, uh, you know they're beat. Anyway. <laughs> Um, doesn't mean there aren't some shitty absorbable, you know, non-absorbable uh, supplements out there. But in general, there's a real simple th question you can ask any doctor that says this. They'll immediately answer, well, yes, that can happen. Then you can answer them, then how do those two things justify? And then they look at you stupidly. It's interesting. Uh, there's a new German law coming. Uh, it's in effect as of this morning. And it opens up a potential 1.8 trillion euros to potential Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency investments. Uh, that's $2.1 trillion. You're talking about some real money. I don't think it's all going to go in there, but that's a, that's a lot of money. I'm just saying. Uh, I got a cool fishing side hustle. It's not what you think. How to use lamb's quarters as forage food source. A progress report of my new chicken cross. More thoughts on a religious solution to many government mandates. And again, I've got some updates on our COVID uh, experience. And I just want to talk a little bit about like how you can be right and totally wrong at the same time when you make blanket statements about um, number of COVID cases due to PCR testing, for example. There's some real, you know, I hate to use this term because the scum use this term all the time when it's not misinformation, but there is some misinformation out there. And there's so much, and it's, it's, it's not really the fault, I think, of the most people that are in opposition to this. It's the fault of the complete and total silencing and the, the disallowance of any sort of actual academic rigorous debate on the issues. Um, but, you know, I'm sure many of you have just kind of discounted every single case of COVID because the PCR test was never meant to be used that way, man. Yeah, but they're not really testing with PCR tests anywhere but in hospitals right now. It kind of deflates that argument a little bit. Anyway, before we do that, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor day number one today is Western Botanicals. Uh, Western Botanicals has been a sponsor of ours since 2010? That's 11 years as a sponsor? you got to check these guys out. If it's herbal and legal, you will find it at Western Botanicals, and it's either organically grown or wildcrafted. Check them out at westernbotanicals.com. Herbs are really the kinder, gentler way to deal with a lot of chronic conditions, and Western Botanicals is a partner you know you can trust. Next up today, the Free State Project. You can find out more at fsp.org, or if you really want to learn more right now, go to fsp.org forward slash visit NH. How about this for an idea? Take a vacation to the Granite State. Take a vacation to the Live Free or Die State. Go up there 
and hang out. It's one of the most beautiful places ever. A lot of people don't know this. I almost moved to New Hampshire many, many, many years ago, long before I came to Texas and met my wife. It was actually only a promise that I had made to a friend to come down here that made me come down here instead of taking a job offer that I had. When I finished my hike, I stopped my hike. When I got out of the Army, I hiked from Pennsylvania to New Hampshire. I was in a town called North Conway, and I got a job offer, and I almost took it because the place, I kind of fell in love with it. But I made a promise, and I came down here, and I think it was the right decision for me. But it, it, it does say something about the place. Go up there, meet some really cool people, enjoy yourself, and see if it's right for you. FSP.org forward slash visit NH. Now, here's that quote I was talking about from Albert Camus. He said, the only way to deal with an unfree world is to become so absolutely free that your very existence is an act of rebellion. A lot of times I have a lot of commentary on these uh, quotes. I don't today. I think that's really one of the great quotes of all time because it doesn't need a lot of commentary. The only way to deal with an unfree world is to become so absolutely free that your very existence is an act of rebellion. And I'm going to tell you, my, my, my little add to that is, the only way you'll ever do that is if you're working on your liberty, your freedom, your independence, your self-sufficiency, your self-reliance, just a little bit every day. I've told you this before, but life is not a sliding scale. Every single day, either you're advancing that portion of your life that moves toward greater liberty, or the system is advancing life against you. You have no choice. You cannot be static in this. So make sure you're practicing all the things that we talk about, including keeping a very open mind to things in the modern world. We're going through a period of, I think, one of the greatest periods of flux that humanity has ever experienced, and it's something that I forecasted a long time ago, but even I could not have forecasted it coming the way that it is. Um, I said six years ago, seven years ago, the period between 2020 and 2030 will be the greatest period of flux mankind has ever experienced. Talk about being right and way underselling it, man. Um, let's start off with something. I, I, I found this to be an interesting thing. Um, it, it was brought to me by someone we'll just, that we'll just call Bill. He said, um, where's the money coming from? Why would they not cancel the vaccine mandates? My hospital is in a neighboring state. I'm not going to say what, because this guy wants to remain a little bit less known. Okay, so I'm just going to leave this a little bit vague. Nurses are leaving less left and right. The hospital is hiring RNs with fifteen to $25,000 sign-on bonuses. Average pay here for an RN is only about $55,000. Um, and then there's a huge finord right now that we're telling the local media that the ICU is full. Their ICU is full because COVID, right? Here's the, the catch, though. The ICU is considered full if there's not enough staff to cover the bed. Yesterday, the administration had a meeting with many pissed-off surgeons because they cannot have many surgeries due to no ICU beds available. We have a 54-bed unit. Currently, there are 26 patients, only 10 of which have COVID. We have 28 empty beds, yet the unit is full. It's a finord. Surgery is the moneymaker for the hospital, yet we're canceling cases because of lack of staff. If you look at the simple Internet search, you can see our hospital is having this issue and many other facilities as they are hiring with new huge sign-on bonuses everywhere. Uh, our hospital is nonprofit and tax purpose only. It is run by a CEO. I assure you it is like any other corporation. It is large and has over 40,000 workers. So if they're bleeding money by 50% of annual salary signing bonus is the mo in the most numerous position in the hospital, the RN, and stopping surgery, their most profitable business, why would they not cancel vaccine mandates unless they're receiving a financial incentive from somewhere else? It does not add up. What am I missing unless there is a uh, crony capitalist society there being reimbursed? Um, thanks for helping me see the hole I am missing. question is for you, Jack. A little all over the place there. Um, well, I'm just going to say in this situation, it is clear that there has to be a subsidy. That a hospital can only operate this way for so long. And I think the main subsidy is in treating quote-unquote COVID patients. And I'm going to say my, uh, I'm going to save my thoughts on how a lot of people I think end up in hospital for COVID that don't need to. Yeah, that's right. I said they don't need to. Now, you can think about this till I get to my final segment today. But what I mean by that is they don't need to, but they end up needing to because of how 
they are handled when it comes to the standpoint of treatment. And I'm not talking about hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin here, though I think that would be useful too. But I'm going to explain what I think is going on, and I have some pretty good evidence for it. You know, the thing is, I don't know, I don't know who, how this money is, is, is being infiltrated into um, these hospitals. I, I just don't know. Um, I, I can't, for the, for the life of me, tell you that I know money is being subsidized. But I would believe that it has to be. And I'm also going to just kind of put something out there. There is a shortage on a good day of LVNs and RNs or depending on some states, LPNs and RNs. There's a shortage on a good day. If you're going to get rid of 30 40% of your staff, I don't care what kind of bonus you come up with, how are you going to staff these hospitals? Then I also, I, I think we do need to be honest about how many healthcare workers, because we're supposed to listen to the doctors, listen to the nurses. They're on TikTok twerking. Of course they know what they're talking about. You're talking about a pretty significant number of people saying no to this. And there's a variety of reasons they're saying no. We can't just say because they know it's going to kill you. All right? I think that's stupid. I think, first of all, many of them have seen enough COVID. They understand the risks. They understand their risks. They understand their age. And they're making a simple assessment. Which is a greater risk to me personally, the vaccine or the illness? I think that's one. Number two, I think an incredible number of them have had COVID already, and that was the number one answer in a recent survey of doctors that said they're not getting the vaccine, you can't tell a person with any medical knowledge that already had a disease that confers immunity they need a vaccine and make any sense to them. I think there's a huge block of them that are like, there's no reason to do this. And then I think finally there's just a huge number of people that don't like being told what to do. I think they actually are trying to create this, this argument I think that they would have a higher vaccination rate now if they never used the word mandate and they never pushed this at all. If they had just said, this is a good thing, you should do it, I think they would have higher compliance. And I think they know that. I think all these media freaking morons that are on TV saying, you know, we should you know, require passports and all this shit, like, I think they know that this is absolutely one way that people are being intentionally provoked into declining that there would be a pretty good number of us that would decline anyway I did I have COVID I would still decline again I, I am back to the risk posed to me by COVID especially Delta which is less deadly no matter what anybody says less likely to put you in a hospital less likely to kill you than, period the numbers from the UK the numbers from India the numbers everywhere Delta has showed up play that out The vaccine doesn't seem to do the square root of F all to prevent infection. It may actually be creating supers, but like there's all these reasons that I say no. And there's plenty of people that would say no. But I think you probably, the, 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 the American people are dumb enough that I think you would have gotten your 70% if you didn't come out of the gate threatening people. And people are like, well, they started out with like, you know, encouraging you and telling you you're a good person. And they really started out threatening. From the very beginning, they started out with threats. They've just ramped up the threats. If you want to get somebody to tell you no, threaten them. And, and I, I think there's something to that here. And I, I also think that like, I think you're going to get to a point you're going to have a medical system that's about to bifurcate. And I'll save my thoughts on that for my final segment today. Um, now, uh, Max in St. Louis says, Hey, Jack, in the context of taking vitamins to boost the immune system, C, D, zinc, etc., I've seen a lot of people, including medical pros, say oral vitamins just make expensive pee. They say there's no way oral vitamins to meaningfully boost vitamin levels. Is this true? And if not, why do so many insist on it? Thanks, Max. Well, they ins let's start why they insist on it. Because this is what they're trained to believe. That's what they're told. There is a consorted effort in modern medicine to make sure that doctors do not approach illness from a standpoint of correcting nutritional deficiency unless it's a clearly diagnosed illness that they have determined is a nutritional deficiency, of which there's very few. And they're all kind of like gone, like rickets and scurvy. So there's no desire 
to have a doctor's first inclination be, hey, let me see if this person's deficient in some nutrient because if you eat a standard diet, you shouldn't be, which we all know is bullshit. So let me give you the, the killer question to ask a doctor when they say this that just ends the argument outright. Oh, well, sir, I have a question for you then. Can you overdose on vitamins? And when they say yes, then you're done. There's no argument to be had at this point. If I can take all the vitamins I want and not increase my blood levels, then they would just be going straight through me and they would not have an impact on my blood levels and it would not be possible for me to overdose. So you realize how stupid... Now, see, I want you to think about how stupid that argument is. And doctors aren't stupid. Doctors aren't stupid, but they make a completely stupid argument because it matches their training. And, and, I mean, again, think about that. The other reason is because what they are convinced by studies, which are intentionally flawed often, uh, being high-level doses of specific vitamins, like D3, for instance, are inadequate. They're not high-level. Some of the vitamins, some of the supplements that we can take require a significant amount to get enough to be absorbed. They are difficult to absorb. Some vitamins that are made are not highly absorbable forms of nutrients and vitamins. There are some that generally just pass through. If you are getting enough of a vitamin from your diet and your body doesn't need any more and it's a vitamin that you're not likely to overdose on, uh, something like vitamin C, then you will excrete it in your urine. It's a factual and a fallacious statement at the same time. It's really not hard to understand, but what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to pretend that it's hard to understand and only a doctor can understand it. But when you have doctors telling people they're going to OD if they're taking 10,000 IUs of vitamin D3 a day, they're either liars or they're stupid about the subject. That's not a thing. It's not going to happen. It doesn't happen. right? When, when they, also, when they don't know to balance it with K2, They're not trained in this. They're not trained in this. In fact, they're specifically trained away from this. And it's why we haven't done anything to ask a simple question with COVID, for instance. Why? We have a disease that for 85% or more of the people that get it is a, a, a total non-issue. It's not just that they don't end up in a hospital. It's no worse for them than a cold, a flu, etc. Now, it might suck, and I'm going to tell you at the end, there's some things that suck about it. But I've had flus that sucked way worse in my life. I remember one flu I had when I was a kid, and I remember puking and spewing Green Death NyQuil out of my nose. It was far worse than this. Now, you can argue about the other 15% that end up needing a lot of support, and I'm going to kind of mitigate that a little bit anyway today. And you can argue about the 4% or 5% that end up really in a bad way and the less than 1% that die, and you can make a case for that still being something to take seriously, and I won't disagree with you. However, I, I would say that if you had any interest at all in coming up with solutions to this problem, the first thing you would say is, why? Especially when we're not talking about 90-year-olds. When people say, well, it was a healthy 44-year-old. Okay, first of all, are you lying? But yes, we can look at some people that are relatively healthy 44-year-olds or 46-year-olds or 35-year-olds. They got hit really hard with this. And even if they have some pre-existing conditions or whatever, they're not pre-existing conditions you'd expect them to end up in the hospital for. And in the, in the other cohort, the other group, you will find people who are very similar. If there is a mild secondary condition or whatever, they have it too, and they're in the vast majority that don't take it hard. Now, if you actually cared, you'd ask why. And you would start doing a blood analysis of the nutrient, nutrient levels of these two groups. And, and you know something would stick out like a sore thumb. People who have done a cursory, like they don't have access to all the data, have determined D3 is a huge one. There's almost no cases of severe COVID that are not extremely deficient in D3. And if you take out the people that are like 94 years old, there's like literally none. Well, that would be an indicator. 
that maybe we should do something with it. And the fact that doctors don't even care to research this is why their opinion on vitamins should be largely ignored. Largely ignored. And then there are things that you need other things to get them to work. Zinc, he mentions. Max mentions zinc. Have we learned nothing? Right? How do we get zinc in the cells? We have to have an ionophore. We can use Qcertin. We can use hydroxychloroquine. But if we want to get the full benefits of zinc in the human body, we need something that gets the zinc into the cell wall. And, and that is basic, easy to understand, biochemistry. Every doctor should understand that. Every doctor actually does understand that. And every doctor, except for a few enlightened ones over the past 18 months, has decided not to understand what they understood before this started intentionally. And again, I'm going to hold back a little bit on this. Um, next up, I'm going to talk about this on Miyagi Mornings tomorrow, so I'm going to go quick on it today. But Mark uh, and Jake both sent me uh, articles, two different articles, on the same subject. And it's that a bunch of money is coming to the Bitcoin world. The, Ger the German government has passed a law that has made it legal for institutional money to go into Bitcoin, Ethereum, and some other cryptocurrencies. Um, the total amount of money in this pool, now that doesn't mean this money is going in, but the total amount of money in this pool is 1.8 trillion euros. If, you, if you're confused on, like, what is a trillion euros, that's $2.1 trillion. $2.1 trillion, just call it $2 trillion bucks, now has the ability, if it wishes to, to go into... Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency investments. And this is massive institutional money. And this is institutional money that is money the institutions manage for themselves and money that the institutions more, more so money that they manage for others. And I just want to add one more thing to that because I am not going to go deep into it today. I just listened to a podcast where Willie Wu was being interviewed. And a lot of you might, Willie Wu, what's a Willie Wu? Willie Wu is a very cool dude. He is one of the first chain analysts on the Bitcoin network. Um, British dude. He's, uh, he's an Asian uh, ancestry, but he's a British guy. And uh, really smart. And out of all the uh, chain analytics people, he is the best track record of anybody in the space. And chain analytics is where we look at the entire Bitcoin chain. And we use it for things like pricing predictions and value predictions and things like that. And, you know, are the bears coming or the bulls coming? What's the next cycle look like, et cetera? And he's, he's made a effing fortune doing this. And not so much selling his information, but practicing his information, using it for his own trading. This guy knows his shit. He dropped something, though, that was the single biggest deal that I've heard about Bitcoin this year and you're not going to hear it anywhere else the net gain in new Bitcoin users per day right now it's 40 to 50 thousand a day that means conservatively over the balance of 2021 adding to all the 150 million that we already have there's about 150 million Bitcoin users right now Six more million. Six more million added in the next five months. If the growth rate stays the same, and it's a little slower now than it was earlier in the year with all the Elon crap and everything like that, but with all the FUD, with all China, China bound Bitcoin again, all of it, still growing at forty to 50,000 people a day. Let me, let me just again, forty to 50,000 people a day buy and start holding their very first Bitcoin, and now you're about to see $2.1 trillion dumped. I'm not going to say that's, that's the wrong way. You're about to see $2.1 trillion worth of institutional money have a crack at an asset that took 10 years to become a trillion-dollar asset. I, I don't care if it's 5% of that money in some way touches... Bitcoin, we are reaching this kind of point, 
And there's a lot of shit out right now about a new potential law in Congress, and it's got its own problems, and they don't know what it'll mean, and there's some FUD, and then there's some real concerns that, you know, they're going to regulate Bitcoin. Of course they're going to regulate Bitcoin. And I don't understand why people think that means it won't have value. I understand why you don't want it. I don't want it either. But when it's when it's used as an argument to, oh, it's going to make Bitcoin go to zero or something like that, why would it do that? Is General Electric stock regulated? Do, do you have KYC on a bank account? What about an E-Trade account or a Robinhood account when you're buying securities? This idea that, well, if they regulate Bitcoin, it'll be worth zero is the dumbest argument I've ever heard. The more they regulate it, the more it becomes normalized, the harder it will be for it to truly serve its true mission, which is fully de decentralized economics. But the more it will be worth, because the more money will pour into it, so the more value it will have. And I would say to anybody that thinks that that's not true, you better sell all your friggin' stock then, all your ETFs. Like, again, I'm not saying that in of itself it's a good thing for the movement, but it's not an argument against the value of the asset. And I also think that it's it's a fool's errand to, tr to think you're going to truly regulate Bitcoin. You're not. You know, what they're saying now is this could even include DEXs and Lightning. Else. Yeah, good luck. Good luck. Good luck with that, guys. Good luck. I've heard this shit For, I mean, I've literally heard this since Bitcoin started. I'm just going to tell you this. This is as blunt as I can be. If you still own no Bitcoin, you're not awake. Not woke. You're not awake. Because you're in denial of the single most earth-shattering thing to happen to economics in the history of mankind. And you can tell me why I'm wrong. You can tell me how it's all going to go away, and all I'm going to tell you to do is go read the Bitcoin obituaries. And, and if you want to know more, tune into the Miyagi Mornings episode tomorrow on this. Uh, now, next, uh, I had something really cool come in from Christina, who sends me lots of cool stuff. There's a picture out of Florida, and it's just a little, um, like a little trailer, like you know, your enclosed uh, two-wheel box trailer. And it says, fishing, parties, birthday, graduation, retirement, reunion, family gathering, Special interests, homeschool, clinics, and tournaments. You can learn more at fishing101stog, S-T-A-U-G dot com. I, I pulled up that website, and it actually redirects to something that was probably built on MailChimp. It's not very well done, but it does tell you how to get a hold of the guy, and, and it tells you some of the stuff about what he does, but it doesn't really give a good explanation. I'm sure if you called the guy, and he's got, hey, I had a 904 area code one time when I was a kid, when I lived in Jacksonville, Florida. So somewhere in that part of North Florida, I'm guessing, is where this guy is. But the basics are, I think this guy has all the gear, and he can come out to a place where you can actually fish, or he can come out to like a backyard with like, like kids learning how to cast and how a fishing pole works. And anything in between. And he does things for adults, uh, kids, retirees, reunions, family gatherings, etc. And they, he even has the, the, the claim he does what he calls progressive clinics. And I don't think a progressive clinic has anything to do with progressive politics. I think what that means is, you know, like level one, level two, level three. Like you come back and you bring people into competence over time. And I'm going to tell you, I think this is a great idea. I don't think the guy's going to make a fortune. My gut is he's a bit of an older guy. It's like a retirement hustle, a uh, little retirement side hustle. Probably does one or two events a week and probably as much as he wants to do. But it's just another example of what can't you do? What can't you do? Because clearly this guy is not making excuses. He's out getting stuff done. And, you know, I already told you that I... I have a YouTube personality that I followed for a while uh, named Bama Beach Mom, and he was doing guided surf fishing trips. So no boat required. You meet him at the beach, he puts bait on for you. He's gotten so successful on YouTube, he quit doing it. But he actually built up his YouTube presence doing it and paid to, got paid to do it in the middle of a pandemic. So I just I, I wanted to bring that to you. Uh, next up, uh, 
Gordon says, I heard you speak of lamb's quarters a few times and its underestimated worth. I don't know how to best use it. I have lamb's quarter coming up everywhere, and I don't know how to use it. Can you offer a favorite way to prepare it uh, to eat? Okay, so the best time of year to harvest lamb's quarters is the spring. The bigger it gets, the kind of mealier, not as good flavor, more fibrous the leaves become. What you can do this time of year is cut it almost to the ground, and it'll start it'll start sending up shoots, and you can harvest those new shoots, and they'll be a lot better. They won't be as good as when it first comes up from the ground in the spring, but it'll kind of reboot it, and it'll make it a little bit more usable. In the spring, you want to harvest it before it's it's about about 10 inches high is the highest you want it. About six to eight, that's kind of where it's perfect to harvest. How to use it. Um, when it's young, pluck the leaves off the stems. Don't use the stems. And in a mixed green salad, it's really good. And I would say use it at a 10 to 15% of the total volume of salad as a total. Or cooked. And the two best ways to cook lamb's quarters are either um, like steamed or in, 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 in water. Like you can you can do it like in a soup or something like that, or you can braise it like you know with a little bit of oil or a little bit of butter in a pan and cook it like spinach. Both of those ways you can pretty much use it as as a standalone green if you want to. It is it, when it is cooked, it is almost identical in flavor and texture to cooked spinach. When it is raw, it's its own thing. It's delicious cooked. You can use some of the stems and all when you cook it. I de generally don't use much. The, the stem that, like, when you pull it off the, the main stalk, the stem that goes to the leaf, that's fine. But the thicker stem, unless you cook it, I, I don't really find it very pleasing. But that's, that's your two main ways. Um, you can also harvest the seed, and it can be mixed into flowers and things like that. The protein, since I don't really use flowers, I don't do that. But it is a great protein kick. Uh, lamb's quarter seed is a huge, huge protein kick, and it has kind of this nutty, uh, gritty, uh, cereal-type characteristic when it's mixed into like a bannock or something like that. Uh, I, I think it, most people would find it to be uh, very, uh, very agreeable used that way as well. But that's it. I mean, it's not a hard plant to use. Just always, if you're harvesting a wild plant, be sure It's actually lamb's quarters. Now, the thing about lamb's quarters is I could be wrong, but I really don't know of anything that looks like lamb's quarters that's not lamb's quarters. That's um, also not edible. Like, uh, not wasantle. Um, God, what's it called? I can't think of it now. There's a, uh, there's a Mexican plant. I grew the hell out of it last year, and now I, I can't think of what it is. But it's basically it's a form of lamb's quarters. It's a goosefoot as well, which lamb's quarters is. And I just... Uh, What the heck is that? See, this is what I'm talking about. My mind is not quite back yet. You know what it is, Holzantle? I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I was thinking about something else. It's, they, they put it in beans, and it sounds similar to it, um, to, to reduce gas. But it is Holzantle. Uh, H-A-U-Z-O-N-T-L-E -H -E is how you spell Holzantle. And it's basically a form of lamb's quarters. I don't know of anything that looks like lamb's quarter that, that's... You know, not it's one of the safer things, but always please be careful and make sure like you're actually looking for the right plant. There's an ornamental called lamb's ear. You don't want to be eating that. Jason uh, asked me, uh, can you do a follow up on your chicks that hatched? Inquiring minds want to know what they look like all feathered out. Jason, I need to get some video of these guys. They are beautiful. I did lose a couple. Um, my my black cochin, who I named Ebony, uh, had some eggs underneath uh, the steps to my jacuzzi, and one of the babies went there, and she attacked it and pecked its head really, really bad, and it did not make it. Uh, that was one of the cockerels, so was, even though it sucked, it was, uh, well, you know, I had three of them. Uh, I had four four pullets, and one of the pullets disappeared the first night I had them in my aviary. So something is a, like a rat or something was able to get in the aviary. So they are now in a cage at night inside the aviary, which is also a much bigger 50 by 10 foot cage. And I have them in there to keep them separated from the other birds, etc. Um, and I need to build them a proper like small chicken house to live in there because I do want at least some of them isolated for breeding purposes. And with the small flock I have, I can only have like one rooster. So one of them 
plus a pullet is probably going to go to Nick Ferguson. That was supposed to happen last week. He was supposed to be here to go fishing with me, but of course I got COVID and I didn't want to get my guy infected or Nick infected or like be miserable as hell out in the middle of a lake. So I didn't get to go. So eventually that will get handed off to him. Ebony has also now gone back under those stairs and she has laid a bunch of eggs. So has a red cochin and so has the little buff Orpington, I think contributed to this pile of eggs that made these babies. And since they all come from Billy Roy, I'm about to have another batch of babies. Uh, and we'll, we'll split some off to live with the, the flock in the aviary for some more breeding interest. Uh, and we can then, again, do what I've been trying to do for a long time now, which is increase the pullet count, because right now Billy Roy is overbreeding his three girls, because when one goes broody, he's down to two. One rooster, two hens is not great. Um, so we're, we're trying to kind of balance that a little bit more. But they are gorgeous. And I'll, I'll, I'll try to do a video today for you, if not today, tomorrow. Um, the males have a brown-red that's kind of flecked through their body pattern that is really red. It is, it's like fire. They have on their necks kind of a mottled brown that makes me think like of Weld Summer, even though you're talking a, 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 a buff Orpington cross with an old English game hen. Um, I, I, I don't know where that came from, but it's that, it, it's chestnut, um, and black, speckled, absolutely beautiful. Uh, they are wonderfully agreeable little birds and, uh, they're just beautiful. And that blue slate color is just hanging in there. They, they did bring in some other pattern, but I would say they're, The, the females are 85% that blue slate color, if you've seen them, and the males are like 80% that blue slate color. And the males just started yesterday trying to um, crow. There's two in there. They're getting along for now. Um, the crow's pretty weak, and it was only one of them doing it. But I'll, I'll try to get some videos. But it's Jason, they're, they're badass. Uh, James says, um, when it comes to... I've been discussing for a long time, maybe... A solution to a lot of these things is to create a religion. And a religion that does not take away anybody's right to believe anything else that they want. So if you want to be a Catholic or a Buddhist or a Baptist or a Methodist or a Muslim or, I don't know, a pagan or whatever, unless you personally have, or your faith personally has a problem with you being a part of this faith too, it doesn't matter. Because this faith literally asks nothing of you other than something like obeying the true golden rule. Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. And it's very difficult for the government to screw with religious entities. And it's supposed to be. And that means maybe it needs to be seen as something that we use to defend ourselves with. For the religious and the technically non-religious as well. That, and I don't know exactly how you'd form, and I've thought about just setting up a church and doing it. I, I really have. So you can join. Anybody can join. And I, I think that you, you can create the validity of a religion solely through people that claim to be members of the religion. If you have something with a, a million registered members, saying it's not a, a, a officially recognized faith is, is very difficult to do, in my opinion, but I'm not sure. But um, James sent me this thing. He says, it sounds like what you're describing when discussing private religious organizations can be had in the form of a self-supporting ministry. It's formed under Section 508 of the IRS Code. Basically, you are an unincorporated church. Churches give away their rights when formed under 501c3. That's true. They give away many of their rights, I should say. Churches are not even listed under 501c3 as they are protected under the First Amendment. Here's a link with a better explanation, and it's at a website called youarelaw.org. I have a link to that website, and it says right next to it, not an endorsement. He said, I saw this guy speak at Anarchopocal in 2020, James from Colorado. Okay, I don't know. But I, I, I am becoming more and more convinced this is going to be our final place. This is going to be our last place that we have to take refuge. That at some point, we need to create a religious organization 
that is based on the common ideals that we all share. And that means it needs to be very welcoming. There's like, most religions are largely exclusive. And they're supposed to be. I'm not condemning them. They just are. There's things that you must profess that you believe to be a member of most religions. And most religions also believe either, you, you, you know, if, you, if you, you either believe this or you're not a member, right, one way or another, um, in that you're professing a faith. And I think we need to separate that and yet stay within the legal boundary of religion and ministry as the government defines it. And I do think that there is a place for saying what we believe is no person has a right to use force on another person against their free will. And maybe that's just enough. And I don't know what you call it. Maybe this is the structure, maybe it isn't. But I would be interested in getting this guy on the show. Um, we are booked way out now. We're booked into like October. So I don't know that it's going to happen anytime soon, but I am thinking about reaching out. Uh, to this individual to understand what it can and can't do better. They seem like they're not bullshitters. They really do. They seem like they're not bullshitters. They seem like they give a lot of people a lot of legal help, and this isn't the only thing that they do. But again, I mean, I've literally been exposed to them for 15 minutes this morning. So it's not an endorsement. Please understand that. But if you want to check into them and let me know what you think, I would love to hear some of you get back to me. And I know we have some lawyers in our audience So you guys would probably be the right ones to take a look at this and say, hey, these guys are they're, they're dangerous, they're going to get you in trouble, hey, they're kind of on the up and up, hey, they're kind of right, but they're kind of whatever, because the truth is what's most important. All right, I want to finish up with a little bit on COVID and, and what my experience has been like. I did a whole live stream last week where I talked about what it's like having COVID, what it was, I should say what it was like for Dorothy and I to have COVID. Be and so I'm not going to go deep into it other than like what I'm going to say is, Right now, I'm pretty short time-wise from what I usually do, and I'm going to wrap up because I'm still in that point where I'm just, I'm not 100% mentally back yet. And I don't feel bad. I just, focus is just a bitch. Uh, Tom, my, my server guy, said when he had this back in January, he said he couldn't have a conversation with somebody, even when he didn't feel bad. He just could not focus through a conversation. So uh, that's kind of why I'm, I'm not 100% yet. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about why I think hospital numbers are way higher than they need to be. And I don't think it's just, hey, let's just throw people in the hospital and get money. I think that absolutely has an impact on it. But I want to tell you what happened to my wife. When this started, she got a sore throat that was so bad, she cried every time she had to swallow. And my wife is effing tough. She's tougher than most of you. I'm sorry she is. Some of the shit she's been through with, with uh, a medical condition called trigeminal neuralgia, you're not talking about a person who doesn't know how to deal with pain. Because of that, she didn't drink much for three days. Anybody with a basic understanding of survival and the rules of three knows that's a terrible thing. That's putting you right to the edge of full-on dehydration. We, we went to a family practitioner instead of an ER or a hospital because of the sore throat and so she could get a COVID test, which, by the way, is not a PCR test. We'll get to that in a second. This PCR test stuff that people are spouting, you need to stop because you're saying something that's so incorrect you sound stupid to anybody that's informed. We'll get to that in a second. The doctor looked at her and said, well, you have severe inflammation. That's why your throat hurts as bad as it does. Gave her a steroid shot. By the next day, she could swallow no problem. Now, had that is not an approved treatment for COVID. If you go to an ER, they would not have given her that, which she needed. And if you have somebody that can't drink and you won't treat the inflammation, you're going to end up admitting them into the hospital and then giving them and continuing to give them poor quality treatment because you're only coming off a line card of things that says you're allowed to do for COVID. So once admitted fully and whatever, maybe you get them on fluids then because that's part of how you get other medicines into them and stuff like that. But this resulted in a deficit. And even though she'd got to where she could drink because the doctor with a brain gave her a steroid, which cut the inflammation like that, I can't emphasize how quickly it worked. She couldn't catch up. If you've ever been dehydrated, she was low blood pressure, feeling dizzy. If you've ever become dehydrated, you know it's very difficult to catch up without getting IV fluids. 
It can be done, but it's very difficult and it takes a long time. And if you're not feeling well and you're predisposed not to drink as much as you should and you're already in that state, you're in a bad way. Normally you'd think, well, you've got to go to the ER now. I knew that would be a bad move. Our, our niece-in-law, I guess you would call her, texted us and said, hey, some, one of my friends out toward you guys had COVID, had this problem, and there's a, a website called Hydration Pros, and they come out and give you fluids and vitamins and shit at your house. So we called them. One hour later, a, a, a medic was at our home, gave my wife two liters of fluid and a vitamin cocktail. And then she slept like a brick for several hours, and she is night and day difference after that. So I'm telling you that as mild as this was for my wife, the reason it was is we were informed, we knew what to do, we knew where to go, and we knew what to ask for. And because of that, my wife didn't end up in the hospital, which she probably would have with no real need to do so had proper care had been administered, which would not have been administered. And if you think I'm just flying by the seat of my pants here saying they wouldn't give her fluids, when I put this out on social media, one gentleman came back to me, says, I'm an EMT. I had COVID this spring. I went to my ER that I work out of as an EMT. I said, I am dehydrated. I need fluids. He had to go three times, three times before they gave him fluids. You have a person sitting in front of you experiencing symptoms of dehydration, and you don't give them fluids because it's not a COVID treatment. What treats and doesn't treat COVID doesn't matter. Do you know what treats dehydration? Fluids. But they wouldn't do it. For an EMT that worked out of their ER that they knew. Now there's some things I'd like to say about doctors that refuse to give treatment that I can't say on air. I am going to say this. At minimum, they should lose their license to practice medicine. If you are a doctor and you're sitting there staring at a patient who has dehydration symptoms and you're not going to give them fluids because it's not an approved COVID treatment and it's not on the line card that you can bill the government for instead of the patient for and you're going to send a patient home who has dehydration without giving them fluids, the minimum you need is your license revoked. There's some other things I think you need, but I can't say that on air. I can't say that on air. You can use your own imagination to, 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 to figure out what I think should happen to a doctor who denies a treatment to an easily treatable condition when you're putting a person's life at risk. And, okay, I want to also say something here at the end with this, with this whole, um, when I went out and said, you know, I have COVID, I had a, a bunch of the tards come say, no, you don't, there's no such thing as COVID, there's no such thing as a virus, viruses don't exist, you're stupid, I don't have time for you. But the thing that they think they have is that everybody's sending around these videos now of the guy that invented the PCR test, saying a PCR test was never meant to be used the way that it's being used. You're not supposed to run 42 cycles or whatever. I agree. I agree. And I think you can definitely, if you're running a PCR test, get false positives. You can definitely get positives on people that had COVID and don't have it anymore. Absolutely. Um, I think it is being abused. But I'll also tell you this. 90% of the tests right, being done right now are not PCR tests. So when you're blathering your mouth about that, you're arguing a non-point. A PCR test, right, is a, is, is, a, is, a, is a reaction test. You run cycles. That's why it takes time. You get the test, they send it away, they put it in a laboratory, and they, they basically run cycles growing the media and seeing what's in it. That's what a PCR test is. And that's the problem. You can have this incredibly small amount and you can keep multiplying it each cycle to where it becomes detectable. And it, and that's totally legit. But right now when people go get tested, they get the results in five to 10 minutes because they're not doing PCR tests. They're doing the rapid test kits, which if anything, probably give more false negatives of people with very minor infection. So we need to stop this nonsense where we're blaming cell phone towers, claiming viruses don't exist, all this stupid shit. I just think it's pretty evident as far as I'm concerned that this has been overhyped. It is being used as a weapon against the American people. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And I think when we, and I'll, I just kind of want to throw something else out there too. These, a lot of these people that have become heroes of the counter argument, like Sherry Tenpenny and stuff like that, I don't think they're helping. I don't think they're helping. And the problem I have with them 
is that 90% of what they say makes sense, and then they go to batshit crazy town in the last 10%. And we have a word for people like that. It's called controlled opposition. I, these people either are actually crazy, or they're actually working for the other side. They're actually working for the other side. That, that, uh, that uh, what's her name, Stella Emanuel, that I thought was so great when she first came out, and then I found out what a nut she was. That's a perfect example. She does an interview right after that with, it was either CNN or CBS or whatever, and does a great job. And then she ends with, I'd have Anthony Fauci rolling on the ground as demons came out of him. You know what, even if you believed the religious beliefs that she has about demons and exorcism and all, you would shut up about it there. If you wanted to be a doctor and act like a doctor and make a case for a medication, you know what you would say? My religious beliefs have absolutely no effect on the biochemical reason behind which hydroxychloroquine treats COVID. So I don't think they're really relevant to this discussion, and we probably shouldn't go into that discussion. Not start screaming, I would have Anthony Fauci rolling around with his eyes rolling back in his head with demons coming out of him in a couple minutes. Do you see what I'm saying? When you got people like Sherry Tenpenny goes and, and testifies in front of the Ohio Congress to try to get them to not pass a mandatory law for children to have to have COVID vaccines in the schools to make sure there's an exemption, does 90% of it beautifully, and then ends talking about how the vaccine's turning people into magnets, referencing videos of people sticking coins to their body. Do you see the problem? Do you see the problem with that? Here's what I would say. Go get a magnet, take a quarter, and see what happens when you put a quarter to a magnet. You know what happens. Nothing. Magnets attract ferrous metals. So even if this narrative was true, people sticking keys, flatware, coins, stainless steel things to their body, this, this, this is stupid. This is sweaty people sticking shit to them the way you can make a, a freaking spoon stick to your nose. I mean, if you're as old as me, you learned how to do that in school because it was a fun magic trick. Come on. Like, these people are not helping. They're hurting all opposition because you get lumped in there. I think this is going over and over and over. This is now a standard play. And I don't know if these people are intentionally doing this or if they're being fed information and conjured into being these, these role models that they can then point to. Because some people do believe their own bullshit. So I don't necessarily think that any of these people um, must be in on it. But they could be. But they're definitely being used, and the ones that get attacked the most all have the nut job shit. The people like the guys on like the Dark Horse podcast and all that are doctors that make sense, that fly in the face of all this shit, they get, they get censored and stuff, but they're not in the disinformation dozen or whatever, right? They're not being built up. They're actually building these people up. There's another guy, Dr. David some shit, right? This guy... Um, I just watched a video by him, a uh, bow tie type guy, right? He's a doctor. Well, he's a PhD, and his PhD has nothing to do with viruses or any of this shit. That doesn't mean he's wrong. I'm not trying to add hominin here. I'm just saying when you, when you say, well, I'm doctor so-and-so, and you're introduced that way, and you're talking on this, you know what's being inferred. And without saying, you know, he's a PhD and blah, 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 you're, you're allowing that inference to carry weight, and that is dishonest. But this guy lays out this really great case that potentially SARS-CoV-2 is just SARS. It's just the original problem we had all the way back in 2002 that actually came to light in 2003, that Fauci and his people made it, and he has patents and paperwork and a, and a, and a lineage that shows it's all the same. Okay? Maybe. I don't know. I doubt it, but I don't know. But then he says, well, there is no virus. Well, because they made it, there is no virus. Do you see how stupid that is? How, how do you how do you get to there? Well, they invented the. You actually say these people made the virus in 2002. There is no virus. What? Or there's no mutations? As though because you made a virus, it means it wouldn't mutate. Anybody who knows anything about virology knows that viruses mutate. It's what they do. The, these people are not helping, and I don't think we should be lending them any credence at this point. I don't care the parts they're right about. When you share this information with people who are remotely open-minded and it ends with some kind of ridiculous claim 
And, and I mean, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, some of this shit where they're saying, like, these things came out of people. Whatever. Have you ever looked up psychic surgery and seen the bullshit that gets pulled all the time all over the world with psychic surgery? People reaching into bodies and pulling shit out and stuff like that, and, like, it's all fake. Like, we have to be... We have to be better than they are in our counter-argument to their narrative. And going into these batshit lunatic worlds, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's all flat earth mindset. And what I mean by that is you have these like flat earth documentaries that allow for anybody associated with them to be discredited because you're nuts if you believe it. And so, for instance, I think there's some real issues with 5G. I don't think it's because it's going to give you COVID. I think it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I think that if you believe that, you don't understand how this technology works. However, I think that 5G is going to enable the most oppressive police state that has ever existed in the world, that ever could exist in the world. And by using this narrative that it's going to make you have COVIDs, right, what they're going to do is they're going to flat earth anything associated with criticism of 5G. And when this shit starts rolling out and anybody says, look what they're doing with 5G, they'll say, ah, ah, he's a COVID-tard. And it'll work. And it feels to me like anybody that's in opposition to the mainstream is so willing to jump to the opposite extreme with no common sense whatsoever. I'm sure that pissed a bunch of people off. I'm sorry. It is what it is. With that, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Let me remind you guys, if you like the show and the work that we do, you can help support us by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. Today's item of the day is a twofer. It is the two best hose nozzles on the market. One's a brass, uh, solid brass hose, hose nozzle named by, made by a company called Nicest. The other one's made by a company called Icarus. It's a heavy-duty 10-pattern hose nozzle, and I've added to my write-up on it um, another hose nozzle made by a company called Bonaire. All three of these are actual hose nozzles you can buy and not throw away once every year. I think it's stupid that I had to put so much effort into researching hose nozzles, but if anybody out there has ever bought hose nozzles, you know that most of them are total garbage. And you can read my write-up on it, and if you're tired of buying these things over and over again only to have them fail, um, my write-up tells you exactly what will work best for you. And you can always find everything I recommend and support us no matter what you buy as long as you do your, your shopping at tspaz.com. With that, let's go ahead and wrap up with our song of the day. Again, I'm kind of going fast and closing out quickly here. I'm starting to uh, just kind of fade on my ability to do this, just honestly. Um, I just thought we'd have a week of Jimmy Buffett songs because I like Jimmy Buffett. And this is one of my favorite Buffett songs. It's kind of less known. It's not, you know, uh, on songs you know by heart or anything. It's not one that the non-true fans tend to know. You've heard it before. It's a beautiful song. It's called Island. But with that, it's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival I Podcast. Distance. I feel that your existence is not unlike my own island. They say no man is like you. They say you stand alone. Sometimes I feel that way too. It's the need for love. Heart and soul accompaniment Seems to make me different from you Well, I tried to book passage But you had no ports And I tried to sail in But you went in water Tore my sails and broke my old island I see you in the moonlight Silhouettes of ships in the night Just make me want that much more Island I see you in all of my dreams Maybe someday I'll have the means To reach your distant shores When the need for love Heart and soul are condemned No longer makes me different from you Well, I tried to build bridges But they all fell down And I've taken to the air on wings of silver But I always
much more.